0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We are gonna pray, pray, pray real quick. We're gonna get into the word this morning. Come on, grab your sheets, and uh, would you just do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Come on, I wanna pray. Father, right now, Lord, the desire of our heart, Lord, is to know you better. And Father, as we make changes just in our services, plain and simple, Lord, our heart is that people would experience the presence of Jesus Christ. Lord, our prayer today is that every single person that's here, whether they've been a Christian for a long time, whether they're new to the faith, whether they're not a Christian at all, Lord, that today would be a day where they would experience the love and the presence of Jesus Christ. So as we get into 1 Corinthians again, as we dive into this verse and we just study it for the next month or two. Father, I pray that you would be glorified in this place and that you would cause there to be revelation in your word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, come on, everybody said amen. Fantastic. Well, before we get into the word today, I just want to just congratulate. Oh, there we are. I want to congratulate two people. First of all, Stephen Baugh. I don't know if he's here today, but Stephen Baugh graduated last week. So if you know Stephen, uh, maybe shoot him a text message and say congratulations. I know that we have a few others graduating, but I'm not going to say something until you graduate back there. And then uh, just to make sure, because I'd hate to say it and it doesn't happen. You know, it's kind of awkward. Uh, and, then, um, uh, and then secondly, Justine and Vince are getting married this weekend. We had, had the honor of doing premarital counseling with these guys, and my goal is to break them up, and they survived. Just kidding. That's not my goal. If you want to do premarital counseling, we also do postmarital counseling. That's when they really have our time. I'm just kidding. It's awesome. Never mind. Um, well, fantastic. We're going to get in the Word today. I'm so excited. I haven't preached in a while, so I'm just like bursting at the seams to preach. We're going to get back into our series here today in 1 Corinthians. If you have your YouVersion notes, you can go ahead and go to that app and uh, open up that. And uh, praise God, you're with us today, Lord. It works in the name of Jesus. And so go ahead and go to your YouVersion app. All my notes are available for you there. Some of them might be a little different, but I just added more content on there for you. But we're going to get back into this series, studying the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to dive into a verse today uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And if you're new to the Version, just download YouVersion, open up your account, go to events, type in Love City Church, and then simply add that to your profile, Then you can save all the notes. Um, so we're going to get back into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, and we're actually going to spend our time in this verse for the whole month. There's so much, or I'm sorry, in this chapter for the whole month, there was so much here, we might even go longer, but there's something very, very important about this passage of Scripture that each of us must uh, comprehend in order to really understand what it means to progress in our walk with God. And so let's read this together this morning. You can follow along as I read, and, uh, and we'll get right into it here this morning. Second Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-2 to 5 and it says this and i paul when i came to you brothers i did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of god with lofty speech or wisdom for i decided not to know i decided to know nothing among you except jesus christ and him crucified and i was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We start off this verse by looking at the idea here that Paul articulates that he was afraid. Paul the Apostle wrote two thirds of the New Testament, and this scripture identifies he had fear. He was trembling. There was an anxiety. There was something going on. There was something about being in the city of Corinth that caused Paul much trembling, much fear, and much weakness. We know that Corinth was a cosmopolitan city. It was a very important environment, a very important city. There was a kind of a a wavering population because merchants and visitors would come and they'd be there for one, uh, two, three days. And then when they would disperse back to their region in the world. And so whenever the gospel or a word was taught or a philosophy or an intellectual idea was taught in Corinth, it would be broadcasted across the world. So if you taught something, in Corinth, you knew it was potential, the potential was to get to the ends of the earth, to get places you never could go. And so it was very, very important. So Paul preached in this environment. He uh, preached the gospel and he knew that it would go far. It was an intellectually uh, diverse city. It It was materially very, very prosperous, but it was also a very morally corrupt city. There was a a tendency in the city for, for Corinthians to indulge their desires in whatever sort that they wanted. A biblical commentator wrote this paragraph. He said, the ideal of the Corinthian, the person, was the reckless development of the individual the merchant who made his gain by all and every means, the man of pleasure, surrendering himself to every lust, the athlete steeled to every bodily exercise and proud in his physical strength are the true Corinthian types. In a word, the man or woman who recognized no superior and no law, but his own desires. That was the type of environment where Paul was preaching the gospel message, a morally corrupt environment where people denied the idea of an existence of God, and simply lived to indulge in their own desires, to indulge in their own wants, to indulge in their own needs. See, Paul wrote this, or I'm sorry, Paul planted this church, and he was in Corinth for about a year and a half, and people began to get saved, and so he started the church, the local church, and they would historically proven that they would gather on Sundays, and then they would meet at homes throughout the week, and they would go to the temple to pray throughout the week as well, and they would take a tithe and an offering, and they would worship, and they would pray, and they would study the word. A lot of what we do today was a very uh, significant picture of what would happen then, and they began to grow, but Paul then left for Ephesus, and he went to Ephesus, and he got there and began to plant another church, and his close friend Chloe wrote a letter to Paul saying, Paul, things are falling apart here in Corinth. You need to come back. And so Paul wrote the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians as a letter and he was gonna send this back. And then another report came that there was a man in the church that was sleeping with his mother-in-law and that they were getting drunk during communion services. They would come in and drink all the wine and just get plastered and then go home. And Paul said, if you're gonna do it, just stay at home. Like if you're gonna come here and drink, make sure it's a sacrament and it's holy and it's righteous. People were were raising, uh, speaking in tongues as the ultimate gift. And so they were putting a lot of attention on different gifts and minimizing others. There were all sorts of things going on and so Paul wrote the remaining uh, uh, letter of 1 Corinthians and he sent it back to the church. He was addressing division in the church and doctrinal issues. There were those who were following the intellectualized speaker, Apollos, who brought really intellectual Christianity into its form. This individual who could speak and preach the word of God. Interesting note, Apollos was not baptized in the Holy Spirit and yet lots of people were following because he was such a good teacher teacher of scripture. Some followed Peter, where Peter taught the the, the adherence to the Jewish customs and laws, and so very liturgical, and this idea that there's certain ways to do things, and so they would follow these kind of laws, almost, to fulfill the law, yet still have a relationship with God. Some followed Paul, and Paul's message was grace, 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 and so people said, yes, grace, I can basically do whatever I want in the city of Corinth, and God's just gonna forgive me, so grace, 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 grace. And then finally, there was a group of people. They didn't They didn't associate with a specific church. They didn't associate with a specific organization. They didn't associate even with a specific leader. But they themselves believed that I am the true follower of Jesus because I don't follow a man. I don't follow organization. I don't follow church. I don't follow any of these things. I am the true follower of Jesus Christ. So much so that they believed that anyone who professed to be a Christian and engaged in organizational Christianity Christianity or engaged by following Apollos or Peter was not a Christian at all. All this division that was caused in the church that Paul needed to address. But something changed in Corinth's journey, the Corinthian church. Their original focus was. On Jesus. Their original focus was on the cross of Christ. Their original focus was on the very simple faith of the gospel. The, the original purpose of, of the church starting was founded on this simple faith system. That I have a simple faith in God. That I believe that Jesus died in, on the, and rose on the third day. I have the simple faith that Jesus is God and created the heavens and the earth. This simple, childlike faith, but something Shifted. The religion, went; the, the, their faith, went from a heart experience or a heart relationship down to a head religion. They went from an experience of the heart. They went from a relationship with Christ to a head religion. It became no longer about the cross of Christ, no longer about the message of Jesus, no longer about the simplicity of the gospel. It became about so much more. It became about my mind. It became about intellectual. It became about my head. And Paul said, listen, that is not how we started this journey together. We started this journey on Jesus. We live in a day and age today, even in our culture in the 21st century, where the Christian faith has become more about the head than the heart. What happens happens when our religion or our faith or our relationship goes from a heart experience, from a heart relationship to a head knowledge? Well, we see it happen in in the Corinthian church. Divisions in the church, fights, confusion, sexual promiscuity and immorality, lack of the Spirit's power, looking to and learning uh, from humans rather than from learning from the Spirit of God, elevating leaders over Jesus, uh, building human kingdoms that focus on money, that focus on doctrine and focus on hierarchical structures to manage people, when we stray away from a heart relationship and move to a head religion, things begin to change in the church. Things begin to happen, things begin to transform, and people stray away from this reality, what happens is, as we start thinking with our head, and now we need someone to prove to us that Jesus is who he says he is. It's no longer about simple faith. It's no longer about that leap of faith knowing, I don't have all the answers to why it happened the way it happened, why God created the way he did, why our, our nature is the way it is, why the world turned out the way it did, but I have a simple faith to believe that God sent his son. He loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me, and God died on a cross for my sins. In our culture today, we can't quite wrap our brain of faith around it, so we say, prove it to me. Prove it to me. I need more evidence. I need more statistics. I need more proof. Prove it to me. Show me more. Give me more head." knowledge so that I can finally make my decision that I'm going to follow God. And that's where the church began to drift from the original simple childlike faith of the gospel to a head intellectual knowledge. And we see here in our first verse, it says that Paul identified that when he came, he did not, he came speaking a testimony of God, a a witness of God. So Paul came, uh, not not sharing eloquent speech, or he didn't he didn't bring these uh, nuances of, of of higher knowledge. He came and simply shared his personal experience. He simply came and shared the fact that that I've been impacted by the power of God. There's something has changed in my heart and in my life. Paul came sharing his personal testimony, his own first-hand account of God ministering in his life. That's the message that he brought to these people. He didn't bring anything else other than that. And just like the disciples had an encounter with God, just like the disciples walked with Jesus, Paul himself had an incredible experience. You've probably read this before, but for those in the room who haven't, Acts chapter 9, verse 3, Paul had believed that the Christian faith was a cult. Couldn't believe in Jesus So he got a letter from the governor to go and take a bunch of Christians and take him captive and throw him in jail. He's on his way to do this to Damascus. And while he's going down the road, it says in the scripture that uh, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and Paul or Saul fell off of his horse. And it says that Jesus appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me in the church? And Paul said, I didn't even know it was you, God. I didn't know that. And he says, okay, I want you to go into the city. And when you get into the city, something significant is gonna happen. Paul then was blind at that moment. It says in the verse, continuing here, Saul got up from the ground but when he opened his eyes he could see nothing so they led him by the hand into Damascus and for three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything and when he got there a man named Ananias came to the house and knocked on the door and came in and laid his hands on Paul's head. And it says in the scripture, scales fell from his eyes. And he went from literally physically blind and spiritually blind to be literally physically being able to see and spiritually able to see. And it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And now he came to the Corinthian church saying, guys, I'm not giving you facts. I'm not giving you scientific theology. I'm not giving you all these intellectual things that you honor in this city. I am simply sharing with you. I have experienced the power of God in my life. That's what Paul preached. That was his testimony. That was his message. That was what Paul came. And he says, I'm here to give you my evidence. This is my story. This is what God's done in my life. And look what he says in this verse. He says, I came with that, but I did not come with lofty speech or wisdom. These were incredibly, incredibly smart, intellectual. They had famous philosophers and debaters in Corinth. But they could not give testimony like Paul could. They could not wrap their their mental brains around the idea of Jesus. They had no answers, so they used lofty words. And it says that Paul came as I shared. In verse two, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. Crucified. He came sharing his experience. But remember, if you remember a few months ago, two months ago, it's crazy to think, two months already, that we talked about this fact that Paul came preaching about the cross of Jesus Christ, but from the perspective of the people, from the perspective of culture, from the perspective of many new believers even, the idea of the message of the cross was for morons. The message of the cross was stupid. In fact, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 1.18. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. Mean that word foolish literally means moronic. It literally means like insipitous, flat, boring, stupid, ridiculous. The message of Jesus Christ, the fact that we believe that Jesus was born to a virgin birth, and lived a sinless life and died a brutal death and was buried for 3 days and rose on the 3rd day and ascended to the right hand of the Father and now comes to give us life and we'll have life after death. We you and I experience that. That's stupid. It's for morons. It's insipidous. It's flat. It's disturbing. It's ridiculous. And this was Paul's message in an intellectualized, intellectualized, smart, philosophical environment where people would speak the high lofty words and people would be enamored with what was being said. And Paul came in with his weak frame. Some believe he, uh, he was a man of broken frame and he came in saying, guys, I could just share my experience. The message of, the, of Jesus Christ is the cross of Christ and him crucified. And they say, are you kidding me? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What an unreasonable, ridiculous message to come and share to these people. And see, they were trying to capture the height and the depth and the width and the enormity of the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. What we can't fathom, they were trying to grasp it by putting it into pretty little words. My fear is is that there are Bible teachers today that I listen to on YouTube all the time, podcasts where they're simply trying to contextualize and make the message of Jesus pretty when it's a stupid message. When you listen to a message of the cross, you shouldn't walk away feeling like, this is pretty. You should walk away feeling like, man, that takes a lot of faith. And this was the message that Paul preached. He knew he could not start with their behavior. He knew that he could not start with the doctrine. The, the, moral, the immoral culture had seeped into the church. Sexuality and misuse of gifts and alcoholism and all different things. It seeped into the church. And Paul knew, I can't start here. I have to start with the message of the cross. Why? Because they need to experience it for themselves. Because when you experience the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, your life is changed forever. The trajectory of your life is transformed forever. You cannot base it on beautiful words or good ideas or the theological concepts and nuances that you're trying to wrap your brain around. If you are not basing your Christian faith on the power of the cross in your life, you have moved past what's important and gone towards things that are intellectual and you are pursuing a different gospel. And Paul is saying here, That if we're not careful, it becomes about what makes sense to us. If we're not careful, it becomes what makes our human, what makes our human, what makes sense in our minds. If we're not careful, we have to understand something that when we begin to think like this, do you know that that actually removes the power of the message? Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 17, one verse prior. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So if we're trying to have eloquent wisdom or intellectualization of the gospel, we are watching the cross lose its power and sin and immorality and division and difficulty and anxiety and fear and competition and hate for one another and the church will begin to crumble and your life will begin to crumble. You say, why is this happening? It's because you're no longer focused on the very simple faith on Jesus Christ, his cross, him crucified, and the impact that it has had in your life. We live in a culture that says, I I will not accept it unless I can fully wrap my brain around it. If this mystery doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going forward until it does. You don't have to know everything to be a Christian. The message of Jesus Christ is a a mystery. In fact, when you become a Christian, there are so many things you don't understand, so many things you just don't get. Hebrews 11, a very famous verse, look at this. Hebrews 11, 1, 2, and 6, or 1, 2, and verse 6. Now faith, so we're talking about faith, is confidence. So confidence in what we what? Hope for. So something you hope for is not presently in your existence. It's not in your purview. It's not in your sight. Something you're hoping for, and assurance of what we do not see. So faith is an assurance and a confidence of something you literally don't even see in front of you. You see, Ryan, how could I put my faith in Jesus when I wasn't there? Well, that's called faith. How could I put my faith in God knowing that when I die, I'm going to spend an eternity in heaven and that one day he's actually going to return for this earth and restore this heaven and this earth and you and I will live for a millennial of eternity with Christ. How am I supposed to come to the place to believe that? Well, that's called faith. See, faith is what you don't know. Faith is what you can't comprehend. Faith is your trust in God, that Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you're God. I believe that you're sent by the Father. I believe that you are God in one, God, in three in one. I believe in those things. I don't have all the answers, but I'm committed to that simple faith. And you watch what happens. God will begin to reveal these unknown things to you. But look what it says. This is what the ancients were commended for. And without faith, this kind of faith, look at this, it is impossible to please God. What kind of faith? A faith that believes that God exists. A faith that believes that God rewards those who seek him. A faith that says I don't have all the answers, but I've got faith in Jesus. I don't know it all. I don't get it all. I haven't intellectualized it all. I haven't intellectualized it all. I haven't philosophized it all. That's a new word I made up. All those things. I haven't quite gone there yet. But you know what? I'm going to have faith knowing that God is the king of my life. He's the king of this world. He's coming back for me. He died for me. That type of faith is all you need to start this journey. And glory upon glory, precept upon precept, verse upon verse, in time, moments with God upon moments moments with God. He will reveal his word to you. And Paul knew that if we're not careful, we will begin to put teachers around us who will say things that we want them to say. It says that in Second Timothy 4, "...for the time is coming, and it has now come, my friends, when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions." And we'll turn away, look at this, turn away from listening to the what? Just say it out loud. Truth. To the what? Truth. So Paul's identifying that there's a truth that we stray from if we do not accept the fact of what God's word says is true. We begin to think about our passions and our desires and our lifestyle, and that's when things begin to break down. When our life is not centered on the cross, we start saying, well, I don't like the fact that that the Bible says that this is not okay. I don't like the fact that the Bible says I have to change this and transform that and think like this, and I, I don't like that fact. Well, listen, the word of God is true, and every man is a liar. You have to start with the word of God, the cross of Jesus Christ. Let it impact your life, and you watch what your faith journey will do, and you don't even know where you're going you don't even know what's going to happen next that's called faith Paul knew that in this culture it was common for them to come to this place where they were trying to use human words to define let me give you a little example a few years ago my wife and I and our kids went to Italy we've been there many times but this is one of my favorite trips we did a drive down the Amalfi Coast I stayed in this bed and breakfast, seven-course meal, homemade wine, homemade limoncello, Coke, uh, swordfish. Uh, the p- worst part was the eggplant, chocolate eggplant. That was weird. Okay, so you can't even really, this is perfect. You can't even really see this picture. So you look at it and think, oh, it's cute. No, no, guys, I cannot even describe for you how beautiful this was. When I sat there, literally, I was so taken back by the beauty of seeing all these colorful homes along the water, and you look off into the Mediterranean Sea, and I'm sitting there with my family, and we're having this incredible life, once-in-a-lifetime trip driving. I made it safely through the Amalfi Coast, so thank the Lord for that, and I looked across this beautiful landscape, and I took it all in. I thought to myself, this is breathtaking, and I can try to describe it for you in every meticulous detail until you fully say, you know, what, Ryan? I do think that's pretty pretty. I do think that's pretty beautiful. The only way for you to fully grasp the reality of it is for you to experience it for yourself. It's for you to get on a plane and drive down the Amalfi Coast and hopefully not get killed by a Greyhound bus and sit up there and look across the water and think, oh my gosh, Ryan was right. You have to experience this for yourself. This is where Christianity has come in the 21st century. There are those who have a head knowledge and those who have a heart relationship. And it's so easy to stray away from heart relationship because we don't have all the answers and we can't figure it out. And it doesn't make sense to me. And man, I go to this church and they talk about that. And I go to this church, they talk about that. Well, just leave that stuff aside and read your Bible. Read the scriptures, read the book of John. Read the scriptures where Jesus is taught in the scripture, in the gospels. And the Paul teaches these things and begin the journey of driving. driving. Driving down the Amalfi coast, and one day you'll arrive to this place where you'll say, Oh my gosh, I'm experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. But it takes faith. You got to buy the ticket, you got to get on the plane, you got to take that crazy drive, you got to get there. You got to make the decision. You've got to make that choice. He will not force you. He's a gentleman, He doesn't force us. Sometimes He prods us strongly to go a certain direction. But most of the time, God says, I love you, son, I love you, daughter and I'm gonna be with you on this journey, but you need to make this decision that you want to experience the power of the cross for yourself. He continues here in the scripture in verse four. This is very interesting. He says, And my speech and my message "'were not implausible words of wisdom.'" but in demonstration of the spirit power. Notice something where Paul talks about his, the form of the gospel. There's two words he uses here, message and speech. What are those? Message and speech, message and speech. Those are words. Paul's talking about words, superior words, eloquent words, plausible words, 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 words. He's talking about words. It's very interesting if you think about this for a moment that Paul was trying to define for them what it took to experience God. And he said that when I chose that I'm gonna preach about Jesus, I'm gonna talk about Jesus' encounter in my life, and I'm gonna talk about the demonstration of the Spirit's power in my life. I'm gonna talk about how I've encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna talk about that moment on Damascus Road where I got knocked off the horse. I'm gonna talk about these moments where I experienced an impact in my life. I'm going to let my speech be saturated with the moments of demonstration of the Spirit's power. Look at the definition of the word demonstration. It means to making manifest proof, to point away from me and point to someone else, point to Jesus, to exhibit something or someone, to expose others to see, to declare, to show, to expose the eyes through words. Or teaching, So my words, my witness, my testimony were, were, the, were with proof of the Spirit's power. We're show, they showed the Spirit's power. They exposed others to see the Spirit's power. They pointed people away from me and to Jesus and the Spirit's power. It made the Spirit's power manifest in my life. Because when I experienced the Spirit's power, it changed the course of my life forever. When I was in grade six, uh, I had 46 warts on my hands. They laid their hands on my nasty hands. Clean hands, nasty hands. And I watched the warts disappear from my hands before my eyes. 46. I have one right here for God to remind me. It comes and goes whenever I'm really prideful or stubborn. He brings a wart back and says, see, remember? And then it goes away. It's really gross. I'm sorry. I watched warts being removed. That's the power of God. I dealt with addiction in my life, in my earlier life, and by God's grace, I've conquered that addiction by his power. He severed the the cord and the roots of addiction in my life. He's restored my marriage when it was in difficult times. He's brought financial blessing when I literally, my business had no money. He always provides for every single one of my needs. He blesses us through finances and through marriage and through health and through uh, uh, the peace and he eradicates anxiety and fear is gone. I have been in a room where I have said, God, I want to meet with you and I got on my hands and knees and I literally experienced the manifest presence of God where I felt as though God was in the room and it changed my life forever. You can have the same moment with God yourself. When our words and our speech are about head knowledge rather than heart experience, you strayed. This is the thing I'm really concerned about is that our speech and our words as followers of Jesus should always be about the demonstration of the power of God in our lives. Shouldn't be about how to figure stuff out all the time. Those conversations can happen and we're having an alpha and we'll have those kind of conversations. But mostly when you have words or you're speaking or you're sharing or you're just living life, always be coming back to the demonstration of the spirit's power in your life. And you say, Ryan, why? Why do I need to do that? Well, Paul just tells us. He says it in verse five. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God. So here he defines two types of Christians very clearly. There's the Christians who have their faith in man's wisdom, it's head knowledge, a head relationship, a head religion, and those who have their faith in the power of God. Many of us here today have come from different church backgrounds, and maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian at all, or maybe you're new to the faith. You grew up in an environment where at least one moment in time you experienced God, but your life has moved beyond that moment, that experience, and now you're living on this kind of intellectual mind journey to figure it all out, when in reality, the really thing you need to do is come back to the place way back here where you met Jesus Christ for the very first time and when he impacted you, in that second time when you prayed and he answered your prayer, and that third time, I remember one time I was in a service preaching a message, and I, the Lord gave me a picture and said that there's someone in the room who has cancer today, and you're gonna go back to the doctor, take, you, have a, you have an envelope in your purse, you're gonna go back to the doctor, and they're gonna, you're gonna see that there's no cancer in your body. I, I just said that real quick and I moved on, A lady came up to me next week, she says, Ryan, I heard that word, I had an envelope in my bag, I took that bag to the doctor, and I, they gave me six months to live. And they looked at that frame, the, the the pictures again, and all of my cancer was gone. Those are the types of moments in your life when he provided that check in the mail, when he brought you back into relationship with your family member, when he partnered with you and and supported you, and when he he spoke into your life, and when you sensed his presence, and when you were feeling fear and anxiety and he caused that all to go away, when your marriage was falling apart, or when your kids, you were in a season with your kids where you didn't know what was gonna happen, and God, the Holy Spirit, demonstrated his power in your life. Come back to that moment and remember that Jesus did that thing. For you, he came broke through heaven, and did that for you. We cannot base this walk with God on trying to figure out all the nuances and mysteries of the planet and the universe. The Bible clearly teaches here, Paul says, listen, guys, move away from all of that stuff and just keep it about the simple faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. Put your faith there and watch what happens in your life. Now I'm gonna share the rest of my message another time this month, but there's one thing I want to say as we transition into worship. There's a scripture, and I'm not gonna teach it all. I'll just say it and I'll re- you have to come back later to hear it. There's a scripture that insinuates the idea, actually we read through the New Testament, that in our words, God actually, his presence, his presence rests in our words. All throughout the scripture, Acts, Paul, Peter preached a message, and it says, in hearing their words, they were pierced to the heart. When the Holy Spirit... rested on them. It says the tongues of fire sat on their head and they spoke in many languages the wonders of God. Words, 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 words. There's something significant about the word that you speak out of your mouth about who God is that the Holy Spirit comes and actually rests on those words. That's why we want to create more space for worship because you think when you come in this room and we sing songs and you stand there and look at the words and say, eh. when you begin to sing the, the, about the glories of God and begin to declare with your mouth, not quietly not You just actually begin to open your mouth and declare the demonstration of God's power in your life. What has God done for you? What has he redeemed you from? How has he changed your life? As you begin to declare those with your mouth during worship, the Bible says that God actually dwells in your words. He comes down. So when you come into the atmosphere of God, we're going to worship for a few moments. Trust me, trust me, trust me. It's a proven biblical fact. God rests when we speak life when we speak the demonstrations of God's power he says okay I sense faith and where faith is you can move mountains where faith is you can cause the sick to be restored where faith is God can move and transform your life and you can have that moment where you say God changed my life but it starts with your act of faith yes through your words if you confess with your mouth words that he is God, you will be saved. Uh, Words, 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 words. So as we worship this morning, we're gonna sing a few songs. I want you to really consider what I said here today. That maybe you're here today and your religion is head knowledge. You've straight away. Come back to the place where you remember, okay, this is why I'm following Jesus because he did this for me. I didn't deserve it. And you watch, as you begin to declare his praises, as you begin to honor him, as you begin to lift your voice and begin to sing praises to God, he will rest and you will experience something inside of you called the Holy Spirit bubbling forth within you. And you'll say, oh my gosh, something's different here. That is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is Jesus Christ. And he's here today to minister to your life. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? Just close your eyes for a moment. Let's pray, Father, right now. Holy Spirit, we want you to come. We don't want to just attend church, God. We want to actually experience the presence of Jesus Christ. And right now, Father, as we start our time of worship, God, as we start, Lord, I pray that you would come and inhabit the praises of your people. Let us be bold. Let us be vocal about how much we love you today. Let us lavish our love on Jesus today, God, and I pray that you'd come and you would minister in in our midst. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.